Bear Books presents Ending Samsara, written by JW Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 2, A Deserting Husband C knew the resentment she felt towards Jeremy was misplaced. She should have been mad at the company. They were the ones who'd summoned him to London. Given his circumstances, he had every right to refuse. But what then? Risk losing their main source of income? Her anger stemmed from a source much deeper than this new development. It was a can of worms she'd been lingering over for a while but dared not open. I still don't understand why it had to be you. Because it's my job, see, that's why. He was a remarkably active CEO. His sudden absence is totally unprecedented. Priorities have shifted overnight. There's no one else on that whole damned island who could step in. They had to send for someone half the world away and tear him from his family. You know about the shortage of qualified technicians. I was the only person available. It's just one of those things. I don't want to be here, not for a second. High up people must have left the company before. How do they not have a better contingency plan in place? See, Jeremy lowered his voice. He killed himself. I don't know how anyone could have planned for that. Well, what happens if... Cecilia cut her own sentence short, a lump was caught in her throat. She could sense her husband knew exactly what she was about to say. There was a brief silence on the line. How is she now? he asked. She's okay. Well, the second anything changes, you call me and I'll be on the first flight home. Her face suddenly felt hot. Yeah, sure, I'll call you and you'll be here exactly 12 hours too late. I mean... You can always say your last goodbye over FaceTime. Cecilia regretted the comment as soon as it left her lips. Cold silence followed and she opened her mouth to apologise, but Jeremy spoke first. She could hear the hurt in his voice. Why would you say that to me? Do you think I want to be away from you guys? The moment for contrition had passed, she decided to simply change the subject. When is your flight home? Wednesday, the 17th. Okay, you can speak to Tammy any time. Just don't forget the time difference. Thank you. Jeremy paused and she heard a heavy exhale. All right, I've got to go. I love you. I love all of you. They love you too. Bye. Cecilia ended the call. She tossed her cell phone on the couch beside her. In the next moment, she imagined herself screaming, then throwing her coffee mug against the wall. If there weren't three children in the house, she was certain she'd have done both of these things. She stood up. There was far too much to do and no time to feel sorry for herself. Jeremy's absence almost doubled a growing list of priorities. Now she was responsible for taking Tammy to her dialysis appointment and somehow fitting in the weekly grocery shop. Driving the boys to wrestling practice also fell on her, she supposed, and the large load of dirty laundry probably wouldn't wash itself. All this meant that she'd have to cram an excessive amount of work into the next ten minutes. The only upside of having a seriously ill child, if there could possibly be one, was the level of sympathy it drew from colleagues and superiors. Hers, at least. With the unspoken condition that her regular responsibilities were fulfilled, she'd been permitted to spend some time working from home. It had started off as a day here or there, 
which soon stretched itself to half the working week. As things stood presently, her office desk had been vacant for a month. She opened her laptop on the breakfast counter and examined today's agenda. Cecilia was a schedule coordinator for a specialist courier company. Their motto was unrivaled accountability from A to B. They conveyed items of the highest value and importance and their clients ranged from artists to political figures. Scanning her assigned block, she made the first call of the day. Hi Mike, it's C. Yeah. Sorry, I know I'm a little late. You needed at Daytona Beach, driving to Michigan at 9.30. She ignored the driver's tone and made a few affirmative mumbles before hanging up. The preceding interactions played out uneventfully. A keen eye was kept on the kitchen clock as she hurried through her call list as fast as she could. The twins, Malcolm and Terence, quietly entered the kitchen to eat breakfast while she pressed on. They were becoming good at this now. The upside was that as long as deliveries continued to be made without a hitch, her boss seemed satisfied to leave her to it. He was not a people person. She sensed her situation made him uncomfortable. If there's anything I can do, he'd often say in his pitying manner. But she could tell this was just a platitude. The second she dropped the ball, she knew she'd be held as accountable as anyone. After she brought her list up to date, she let out a breathy sigh and drew her attention back to the clock. She was running late, but not drastically so. A live and ever-changing schedule, however, meant that new journeys could appear at any time. She prayed that nothing new would materialise before she returned from the school. Come on, boys, you got everything? Go put your shoes on. They mumbled in acknowledgement and she jogged upstairs to her daughter's room, gently knocking as she opened the door. The sight of Tammy first thing had not stopped being a heart-rending sight. She looked so frail, engulfed in her floral sheets and her dark complexion had a slightly grey hue to it. She was awake, but there were bags under her eyes. You okay, sweetie? C said, approaching the bed. Tammy nodded. I'm just dropping the boys to school. I'm sorry to leave you, but I'll be an hour tops. Call if you need me. If the phone or the doorbell rings, just ignore it, okay? Okay, Tammy wheezed. You need anything before I go? Tammy shook her head. Fortunately, Malcolm and Terence were fully dressed and waiting in the hall with their backpacks on. Three weeks prior, she'd driven all the way to the gates to find that Terence had somehow forgotten his. Although grateful that they were getting better at organising themselves these days, it also made her feel guilty. They were only seven after all. She ushered them outside and into the SUV. It was a typical spring morning in Florida. Flowers on the well-kept suburban streets were starting to bloom and the air was noticeably warmer. Along her rushed and anxious drive back from the school, Cecilia stopped off at the grocery store. She was becoming much more efficient at this particular errand. Shopping list in hand, she hurried down the aisles, her mind consumed with getting back to Tammy. She'd never been one for lists, but with time being so precious, she'd stuck religiously to the same one for months. Any culinary flair she previously demonstrated had been long forgotten. If her children were bored by the monotony, thankfully they kept it to themselves. She'd toyed with the idea of doing the shopping online, but the delivery charges to her area were extortionate and the grocery store was perfectly situated on her route home. It was later than she'd hoped when she finally pulled back onto her drive. Conscious that her driver's schedule had updated itself by now, she ran inside with only the frozen and perishable items. 
The rest would have to wait. Once the food was packed away, she checked on Tammy. We're leaving in about an hour, sweetie. You all right to start getting ready? Yeah. Okay, call the downstairs phone if you need a hand. I'll be fine, Tammy replied. C rushed back down to her laptop and refreshed the screen. With a frisson of horror, she saw the schedule update unravelling before her. It was an obscene amount of calls to make in an hour. She was short with several of the drivers, and the ones she typically chatted with sounded particularly put out. This was the least of her worries. The top five items had turned to red, which meant that they'd soon expire if people weren't assigned to them. She stormed through each of these calls in record time, then tackled the yellow items of lesser urgency. Two left, she thought, but she was startled by the sound of a doorbell. Who the hell? she muttered aloud. She opened the front door to be faced with a plumber. Her heart sank. Jeremy was supposed to be dealing with this too. Come to fix the leaky radiator, he said. By the expression on his face, she could tell her frustration was noticeable. She checked her watch and swore under her breath, barely even hiding it. She'd reached a point now that keeping up appearances or even simple cordiality had lost its importance to her. He let out a nervous laugh. Forget I was coming? He was an older man. She did feel some remorse for her unwelcoming manner. Yeah, sorry, I'm running really late. It's okay, quick fix from what I've been told. Show me where I need to go and I shall be out of your hair in a jiff. Cecilia led the man to the pipe in question before hurrying back to contact the penultimate driver on the list, vaguely apologising for the lateness of the call. He was a solid courier, she knew, and he said it was no bother. The plumber appeared in the kitchen just as she'd picked up the phone to assign the last delivery. I'm nearly done, I just need to take a quick look at your boiler and then I'll need a signature. Cecilia swore again and slammed the phone in the terminal. She painted on a false smile as she showed the man to the boiler. The plumber attempted to make small talk and she responded with monosyllabic responses. She quickly signed his paperwork and saw him out. At this point she checked her watch again and once more cursed out loud. Tammy! she yelled, darting to the stairs. How are you getting on? Thankfully her daughter was dressed. C helped her down the stairs and into the SUV. Three years ago, Tammy had behaved like any other little girl. It would have been impossible to guess that the disease had always been with her. For C, thinking back to those days, felt like an abstraction, a dream sequence of family life. It was almost like picturing an alternate reality. Two parents with good jobs, no debt and three healthy children. When her eldest had started to complain of pain in the lower back and abdomen, it didn't seem like the time to panic. That moment came when they discovered blood in her urine. Autosomnal recessive polycystic kidney disease was the eventual diagnosis. Quite a mouthful. They were told that the severity of ARPKD varied significantly, with around 50% of patients ultimately suffering full renal failure. For the lucky ones, this horror would not be realised until late in life. Tammy was not part of this group. The child was already on the waiting list for transplantation and four dialysis sessions per week was the requirement in the meantime. This was the child's second appointment this week and the only positivity Cecilia could derive from it was the relief of driving home four hours later. C loathed the looming prospect of an overnight stay. Deflated, she helped Tammy back upstairs and quickly returned to her laptop. 
She then felt a violent tug somewhere deep in her gut. Above a sea of yellow appointments was one black one. This colour had never appeared on her screen before. Beside it was the denotation lapsed. This troubling colour had not previously blighted any of her lists because, until now, she hadn't let a delivery escalate into anything further than red. The slot had expired, which meant that there was no longer enough time in the day to send it to the desired location. Checking the details, it gave her some solace to learn that it wasn't medical supplies or anything of similar urgency. What troubled her was the note VVIP in bold black lettering. The item, a piece of sound equipment, was supposed to travel from Florida to Chicago. She stood up, slapped her hand on the kitchen counter and started pacing. No time for this, she thought, sitting back down. She immediately focused on the remaining deliveries, the ones still salvageable, as if her efficiency in handling these routes might somehow redeem the other fundamental failure. She tore through them, barely catching her breath between each call, but once these were completed, the weight of her blunder seemed to instantly return. Convincing her boss to let her work from home was not a straightforward affair. He would never have agreed to it if he knew she'd be leaving her laptop unattended for extended periods of time. Half an hour here or there, perhaps. An hour would be pushing it. Four hours was reprehensible. What set their corporation apart was shorter notice and a faster turnaround than any comparable courier. But above all else, their impeccable reliability. Such a blunder would not go unnoticed. C ran her hands over her hair. It was all she could do not to start tearing out chunks of it. Deliveries were judged by a host of factors, including traffic times and driver availability. If something was categorised as undeliverable, the system was never wrong. She couldn't believe she'd let this happen. She returned to pacing, then picked up her cell phone. No one at the office could help her, but they'd all be aware of it soon enough, and there was always an inquest for any missed delivery. She needed advice, fast. Although doubtful that any response would ease her anxiety, she sent a text message to the one person she relied on in her darkest moments. Can I call you? she wrote. The text was answered a minute later with an incoming call. She pressed answer. I've screwed up, C blurted into the phone. Christ have I screwed up. She was verging on a panic attack. She could feel it. Her breathing was sharp and fast. They're going to fire me for this. I just know it. Slow down, C. Take a moment to breathe. Her friend's velvety tone was usually enough to put her at ease, but not this time. I can't. It's serious, Tawari. You don't understand. They don't let you off for this kind of thing. You need to relax. Come on, like we've practised. Four in, four out. She listened to her friend and did as she was told, counting to four as she exhaled and inhaled. Okay, Tawari said after a minute or so. Tell me what happened. C explained the situation from Jeremy's sudden absence to a resultant mistake. There was a pause. Okay, I think I have a solution. It's not my most ethical suggestion, but I'll need the name of the software your company uses and your IP address. C seized her laptop and passed on the information. Good, now I need you to call your boss and tell them your program froze. Okay, wait, what are you going to do? Don't worry about that. You have an IT department that checks for faults, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, they're going to find one. What time did the delivery expire? About half an hour ago. Right. 
I can't promise this will get you completely off the hook, but when they check, a nasty error will have registered just around that time. Seriously, you can do that. It's sketchy, I know. Do you feel comfortable with... Yes, C interrupted. All right, this is a one-off CD, in light of the circumstances. Yes, of course. She felt her heart rate lessen. God, I don't know how to thank you. Don't sweat it. You're going to be able to cope. How long has he gone for? Another ten days. And yeah, I'll have to. Okay, call your boss right away. Thank you. She put down the phone and sighed, placing complete faith in her friend. Tiwari was a miracle worker, with a faultless track record for problem solving. C's phone lit up a moment later. Dad read the caller ID. She let it ring out. If you'd like to learn more about JW Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Books Podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode.